0: Welcome to the Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. If we're talking about expectations, so most people have, I'm going to go ahead and say, negative expectations about what an experience is going to be like at a car dealership. Car dealers just have a negative reputation. Um, And so I think a lot of people are going to be a little bit on edge.
1: And I would suggest to you that 95% of businesses do not understand their customers' emotional expectations. And when you think about that from a customer journey perspective, because clearly the emotional expectations change as the journey progresses. You could have had a friend, which would be highly unusual in itself, but let, let's go with the theory anyway. So <laughs> maybe I will go permanently one way.
0: I don't need to put up with this.
1: So Ryan, I was giving a speech the other day, a conference speech, mm-hmm. and and one of the questions I got was about customer expectations, and and I, I've been using this sort of technique for years. Uh, let me let me try it on you, mate. All right. So, have you ever been to the Congo? I have not been to the Congo. Tell me what you think it would be like if you went there.
0: I mean, most of what I know about the Congo comes from books and movies, Uh, so lots of jungles, exotic animals. Seems like a dangerous place based on my stereotypes of it, which may not
1: be accurate, but that's what comes to mind. Imagine that you just landed, okay, and you got off the plane, and you've gone through passport control, and you've just walked out of the terminal building, What do you think the scene in front of you would would look like and what would it feel like and smell like? I I imagine humid,
0: uh, lush, jungly. Um, I assume gorillas working as porters you know, <laughs> know, wearing little polyester <laughs> jackets. And, you know, no, I
1: eyes. said the Congo, not Planets of the Apes. Uh, <laughs>
0: I, I mentioned most of what I knew came from movies. I didn't say which movies. Um, and how would you feel? Probably sweaty. Um, right. I mean, it seems like it would be kind of a fun, exotic, new experience. So I imagine I'd sure. be excited. Um, I was like seeing new places that I haven't seen before. Does this end with you telling me that you bought me an all-expense-paid trip to the Congo? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's what you're leading up to. But it's only one way, mate. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a lengthy (laughs) way
1: to get rid of me. Today we're talking about Customer expectations, so let me try to to set the scene here. And the reason I use this is this is really, for me, sort of highlights some of the issues around this and some of the understanding of what we mean by customer expectations and understanding customer expectations. And, And clearly, to understand the customer expectation is pretty fundamental in providing a good experience. So typically the way I do this when I'm doing a conference speech is, is I say to people, say to the audience, go through exactly the same as you've just done. And invariably, I ask them to close their eyes because people can sort of imagine these things in much deeper context. And the bit I want to point out from what you're saying is the really interesting thing is you've never been. no, Okay? And yet you have this picture in your brain of what it would be like the interesting part then is how did that get there what caused you to to think of of those things because the other interesting bit for me is that not only did you have this picture in your brain you you said the word lush on a few occasions in jungle and obviously the congo is famous for gorillas and stuff like that if you look at well where did that image come from as you mentioned, it's clearly come from books or TV. Uh what was that famous film? Was it Gorillas in the Mist, wasn't it? Um, that was all about um I can't remember who it was, but interacting with the gorillas. It's been on um David Attenborough on it wasn't the Blue Planet, but one of the series. There's a, a Michael
0: Crichton novel called Congo that I read when I was a teenager.
1: Yeah. But basically it's if you said to yourself well, where did that imi- those images come from? It would have been things like the media, okay, in general. It could have been blogs. It could have been social media now, people that maybe that you followed or or whatever. It could have been friends, yeah? So, you know, you could have had a friend, which would be highly unusual in itself, but let, let's go with the theory anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: Maybe I will go permanently one <laughs> way. I don't need to put up with this.
1: It could have been, you know, as I say, a friend who turned around to you and said, hey, I went to the Congo last week and, and this is what it would like and that would influence you. It could have been that, and this is where you start getting interesting, it could have been that you've been to, you haven't been to the Congo, but maybe you've been to Kenya. Right. Or maybe you've been to Tanzania. You know, in other words, a similar type of experience Mm -hmm. yeah and I guess the important part here is for me this is how customer expectations are are built and the other really interesting thing for me is and again this is where I think a lot of organizations go really wrong in understanding their customers experience the other interesting thing is you didn't just tell me about the what I would call the rational things that there would be lush, the the place would look lush, but even that has sort of connotations of some emotional content in it. But, uh, you know, the the choice of the word lush is interesting. But you also told... I was me- using lush as the slang for someone who's a drunk.
0: I don't know if that changes <laughs> anything.
1: No, not really. Okay. But there okay. you go. No wonder you told me about your feelings, actually, because you said that you were it was going to be fun, and you said that you were going to be excited. I, I drink extensively when I'm on vacations, <laughs> that was, that was especially one way in vacations. <laughs> uh, but the important aspect there is customers, people don't just have rational expectations; mm. they have emotional expectations. And again, if I was to replay that to you, and and I'm sure people have heard this type of conversation, people would say, and I thought it was going to be really fun, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited by it, but it was quite disappointing. And even thinking about it, the word disappointing means that you were expecting something. Expectations have been violated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get it. The only other aspect that I want to throw into all of that is you even talked about humidity. So your senses, effectively. And the reason I choose on the Congo is because not many people have been there, basically. If I turned around and said, how many people have been to Florida? There'd there'd be a few more, you know. I choose the Congo because the reality is is not many people have, have been there. But the point I'm trying to make is you hadn't been... And yet, you'd got this picture in your mind, and it was rational, emotional, sensory expectations. And that effectively, I guess, goes back to two things. One is memory, the fact that you've remembered those things. And B, I guess it comes into, doesn't it, that sort of anchoring point of things. Maybe I'll pass over to you now and tell us what's happening there from a theory base. And then we'll go on and talk a bit more about what does this mean for customers and how to use all this stuff. Sure. So from a theory standpoint, Colin
0: was insulting me by implying that he wanted me to go away (laughs) to a different part of the planet permanently.
1: Can I just say that wasn't a theory, mate? That, that was reality. The theory behind that
0: is Colin's <laughs> a jerk. So we can, we can derive some hypotheses. No. So the, from a theory perspective, expectations are so important because they are one form of reference point that we have. So the basic idea is that when we're evaluating anything, almost always are evaluating it relative to something else. We make these relative comparisons. And, and the, the novel experience of going someplace you've never been, I think, is an interesting case. I understand why you like it as, as an example that you use. Because even in that case, we're still going to be comparing it to something, right? We spontaneously form these expectations, even for something that's completely novel and different. Like recently, some billionaires have gone up into space, space yeah. tourists for the first time. And that was a totally novel experience for all of them. They'd never done anything like that before. And yet, I guarantee, they had a set of expectations about what that experience would be like before they did it, even though it was completely novel. And it probably was some combination of, you know, experiences they've had flying in airplanes. Yeah. And, you know, all these sci-fi movies. Watching Star Trek. Exactly, right? And so, to your point, we never walk into something with just a completely blank slate and no expectation because we need that. We can't evaluate things unless we have a point of comparison. And if, if we have previous experiences, right? Like, so if you're calling into a call center again, you don't need to construct some elaborate expectation of what, what exotic experience it would be to call into a call center. Like what would that even be like? Yeah. We've got plenty of actual experiences doing that. And so we can draw on those for our expectations. But even in a case where it's completely new and different, we'll still kind of construct an expectation because we need those reference points.
1: You raised an interesting point about the the contact center because it doesn't have to even be in the same industry, does it? No, no. Yeah, you get customers who our clients who would turn around and go, "Well, you know, um, our website does this when they call into our uh, contact center." It's you know, it's that. The point I always make to them is. Customers will look across and go, well, here's an example. Amazon's a good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the benchmark, isn't it? When I'm doing e-commerce online, I'm buying something online, I am now judging myself, everybody else, against Amazon, whether that's reasonable or not. For me, the layman's perspective is I'm buying something. Why can't it be delivered the next day like Amazon does it? Yep. Uh, I was buying some clothes the other day. The company I was buying them from, when I went to return them, I had to go through this bloody tortuous process of of returning the items and then taking them to the place and uh, having to pay for the return. And I was thinking, I'm just not going to buy them from this place anymore. I'm just going to buy them from Amazon because it's so much easier. Just click, 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 and it, it it's done. So it does transfer across, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's common that firms will be like, "Oh, you know, we
0: have the best whatever experience in the in the business, or, or our returns policy is the most friendly in our industry." And that may or may not be the expectation that your customers are coming with, because customer expectations don't follow neatly within industry lines. So, I think it's very common for e-commerce of all kinds to be compared to Amazon, as you said. I remember during the, and don't worry, this is going to sound like a political example, it's not, but I remember when the American government launched the Obamacare back in 2009 or 2010, that one of the things that that President Obama said to promote his healthcare exchanges is he was talking about how you could go on to these exchanges and he said it would be just like Amazon, where you would have all these different insurers, sure. and then you could choose the one that best fits your needs. And I remember hearing him say that in a speech, and just cringing, yeah, because I thought, boy, like that, I've I've been on government websites before. Yes, I mean, one thing I can tell you for sure, never having seen it, it will not be like Amazon. Yeah. So he was choosing an unfortunate reference point to give people that was almost guaranteeing that whatever they created as good as it would be wouldn't be perceived as not being very good no absolutely yeah if he said it's just like going to the the irs website to pay your taxes except this time it'll be different then people might have an entirely different set of expectations and might actually be happier with what they actually (laughs)
1: absolutely here is anna talking on the show
0: Hi Colin and Ryan. I'm in a pickle. How do you operationalize your journey mapping? We don't want CX to become some fluffy thing that is not practical enough. Therefore, we want practical steps on how to get started the right way. Thank you.
1: Anna's pickle was wonderful. Would you like to appear on the show just like Anna did?
0: If you want to record your Pickle, go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash Pickle and look for the big red record button. We'd love to hear from you too.
1: But the interesting question for me then is, I really want people to think about this. So if you buy into the fact that we have rational expectations, okay, so go back to the, the, the Congo, we have rational expectations about what's going to happen there we have emotional expectations yeah we have sensory expectations so the interesting bit for me is that most organisations have tons of rational data a good understanding of customers rational ex- expectations i.e. how fast will do you expect delivery how quickly do you, go building on the, the example we were just using, how quickly do you expect to get repaid from a return? Mm-hmm. How many clicks through is acceptable to you? So those hard, rational things are fairly well, in my view, fairly well understood by businesses in the research they do, in the voice of the customer programs they run, et cetera. But now ask yourself the question, do I understand my customers' emotional expectations? And I would suggest to you that 95% of businesses do not understand their customers' emotional expectations. And when you think about that from a customer journey perspective, because clearly the emotional expectations change as the journey progresses. I always remember doing some work with a home improvements company. Uh, And what we discovered was that customers' emotional expectations when the salesman was going to call on them on the evening was they put up all of the sort of the protective measures because they were suspicious. They felt that they were going to try to be oversold. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I I wouldn't necessarily use the word fearful. Cautious cautious good thank you in fact there's another good word here actually Uh, anxiety you know there's a degree of anxiety that's built and yet at the end of the sale and maybe even when it gets to installation and stuff like that if you look at customers emotional expectations at that point is they would be very different they've already made those choices based upon, oh well, actually they were pretty good and they, you know, they didn't pressurize me and blah, 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 blah. But and and now these guys are really good because they've come around and they inspected things. So I'm fairly confident and emotion that they're gonna install this stuff and it's gonna work well. But I've got some anxiety around the fact that they're gonna be knocking around my house and you know, what's gonna happen with the dust and blah 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 blah. And and therefore the key issue is once you've understood those emotional expectations, you can do things about it. But if you don't understand those emotional expectations, then you can't manage them and you don't know what they are. And therefore you actually could be reinforcing in the actions that you're taking some of those emotional expectations. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. One common example is you might
0: anticipate that your customer's expectations are around timeliness of the interaction and people want to get in and out and, and get on with their lives. And, and that's usually a safe bet. But it could be that if people's emotional expectations were were more around uncertainty and really going into this kind of you know having no experience, not being sure what to do, then it could be that your employee rushing them through this so that the, the transaction time is smaller could actually kind of harm the overall emotional experience because what they really wanted is somebody to kind of walk them through and comfort them and let them know what the whole experience should be like.
1: Yeah, actually, I I remember um, we did a podcast, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago where you were talking about you buying your new car Uh and you were saying about the fact that the sales guy, I presume it was the sales guy who was trying to sort of talk you through all of the different aspects of the car. But actually, you just wanted to go because you bought the car and you made the choice. Was that right? That's right.
0: Yeah. Understanding where I was at that point in the cycle, I would have been much more open to being walked through everything before the transaction had been completed and finalized. Because by the time it had been, I was already in a different kind of state of mind where I just wanted to get out and get on with my day and enjoy my new car understanding the different emotional expectations that people have at different stages in the journey um, would have helped them serve me better.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, I mean, and that for me is a good example because the danger is, is that you could do things to reinforce. Well, I mean, first of all, knowing that it could be that you go and what we're going to do, Mr. Hamilton is we are going to give you a call tomorrow and we'll run through some of the questions or, Here's a video of you know some of the typical things that you get, and you know here's our number. Why don't you give us a call if you get any questions in two or three days' time? Yeah, I mean,
0: to their credit, I did get an email from them a couple of days later saying almost exactly that. Like, look, we realize that that you know things are rushed, and, and so people may not know all the features that a new car. So stop by the dealership. Let's set up an appointment, and you can talk to us later. I think that they were somewhat sensitive to that. Uh, I think they could do even better in that there's a lot of downtime during that process. Like I sign some paperwork and then it's got to go over to some other department. And so I have to wait and then it comes back and I sign some more stuff and then that goes back to another group. Yeah, There was all that dead time where the person could have taken me out and shown me the features of the car kind of while I was still in that transaction process as opposed to waiting until the end. But, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, the stuff you're suggesting is exactly right. Like get into the understanding of what your customers are expecting and, and what they are comparing the experience to.
1: Yeah. And, and, and again, building on that and going back to the home improvements example, customers are not going to say to you, I feel anxious before walking into the dealership or walking in having the sales person come around and talk to me. I'm going to feel anxious. They're not going to tell you that for obvious reasons. But you again, you need to find those things out. Uh, and again, where you can get to is again segmentation, which is there are different groups of people. I guess Ryan, if you were one of these people that bought a, a car every year and it had been the same car and you know nothing much has changed, you don't need much of a talk through. No,
0: I, that's exactly right. I mean, if. If we're talking about expectations, so most people have, I'm going to go ahead and say, negative expectations about what an experience is going to be like at a car dealership. Like car dealers just have a negative reputation, um, and so I think a lot of people are going to be a little bit on edge, you know, just like you were saying, worried about getting ripped off or about like agreeing to something that they're going to regret later. But that'll change with the segment. So if there's a, a person who has bought from this particular dealership before or who buys cars very frequently, they may not be intimidated by that at all. And so would expect a different experience walking in.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. I think the other thing to mention that I that's key here is that customers' expectations change. That's a bit of a blinding flash of the bloody obvious. But the real interesting bit was we had uh, David from the American Customer Satisfaction Institute on the show a couple of months ago now, I guess. And David was talking about the pandemic. And he was talking about the fact that customers had actually, their expectations had declined over that period of time. If you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, then... The point that he was making, which I think is totally right, was everybody knew that as you went into the various different lockdowns that you did, the companies would have problems. yeah, um, And therefore, it was unreasonable to expect that an organisation, when you phone them, I don't know, if you're phoning for a delivery of food or something like that, that they would be answering the phone in the normal space of time. So they were making allowances for the problems that they were facing at the beginning of the pandemic. Do you remember remember him talking about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the context was that we were trying to figure out why customer experience scores were stagnating or trending downward. There was some movement down during the pandemic, but he was very careful to point out that it wasn't because people's expectations were just wildly out of line with what the reality was, you know, as you just said, people's expectations tended to be kind of reasonable. So as we we see that there's difficulties in supply chains and with staffing and with other things going on, people's expectations tracked with that. So I, I expect this might take me a little bit longer. So there were other things going on that were causing the problem. <laughs> it's too easy for us to pin this all on our customers and say, well, our customers are just being unreasonable, but they they're not doing... No, customers' expectations are are usually fairly reasonable. We just need to figure out what they are.
1: And I think the issue for me is I've certainly reached the point now where I'm going, I think it is unreasonable that organizations, when you phone the contact center, it still says we're having extremely high call volumes today. And you think, no, you know, that was acceptable maybe for the first year of the pandemic, but it's not anymore a lot of this stuff is now within your control. And uh, I'm not saying, let me be clear, I'm not saying it's easy, because clearly, I know that you've got people that are catching the Omicron variant and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm not trying to be unreasonable. Too many organisations are now hiding behind the pandemic as the reason for a poor level of service. And it's not that it's just That they're reducing their costs. But we digress. I mean, that that was an
0: excuse even before COVID, right? Where call centers would often have unexpectedly high call volumes absolutely every day of the year, um, anytime you called. And at some point, you should start expecting it, maybe.
1: Yes. And going back to David's point, I think that people are reasonable. I phoned one of the airlines up the other day. And I realized that there was a big storm in the States. And I thought, hmm, yeah, maybe this isn't a good idea to be phoning them up, (laughs) you know, to book a flight in two months' time. Lo and behold, the, the wait time was long. And you go, yeah, well, that's acceptable because there's clearly a storm. and Maybe I should phone back in a couple of days' time. But so I guess the point I'm trying to make is most people are reasonable and that expectation comes through. let's take a step back let's do our usual bit of of the you know so what 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 does this mean for everybody do you want to go first and or, or do you want me to go first um
0: i can go first i think that the realization that people always need reference points that when we're talking about experiences a lot of times those reference points comes in the form of these expectations and so can you figure out what people are expecting from your Experience? Like, what are they expecting walking in the door? And then, if those expectations are going to set you up for success, then great. Like, lean into those. If they're not, you either need to meet those expectations, you need to change what you're doing to be better um, or to be different, or you need to try to encourage customers to have a different set of expectations. I use this example sometimes where my very first smartphone, I think it was an iPhone 2, I was shocked at how bad the battery life was. Uh, because my expectation was around my nokia brick phone which you could literally charge like once every two weeks yes it would just last forever whereas the you know the iPhone could only last for three or four hours before it needed to be recharged and it was when I changed my expectation changed that reference point and realized oh this isn't a phone this is a small computer right and, and so how often do I need to recharge my laptop oh well that that can't go more than like an hour and a half or two hours before getting recharged. And when I changed that frame of reference, changed my expectation, what was a bad performing attribute suddenly became actually pretty good. It
1: was actually helped charge a lot better than my laptop. And building on top of that, it, it's also the value that you get from both. Yes, so absolutely. you're much more willing to have the pain of the extra charging because of the functionality of the things that you can perform on it, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And not least of which is because it's Apple, anyway. So yes, yes, clearly I mean just, just, that was the main point I was trying to get at. <laughs> just, just the being allowed to use one of their products is, I mean, is worth its weight in gold, anyway. Don't you think? Yeah, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to send you a book on cults, um, Colin. We're going to talk about how
1: this is getting to be a problem. <laughs> so, what do I think? What some of the practical suggestions that that i would give you first of all recognize that everyone's got an expectation they may have never dealt with you before but they have an expectation of what dealing with you is like and you need to find out what it is and you need to find out not just the rational things okay we as i said before you know most organizations know about rational things but most organizations don't know about how the what are the emotional expectations each step of the customer journey that they need to deal with and understand to be able to draw up strategies that are going to affect things. And not only do they have emotional expectations, but they're even sensory expectations. When I ask people about Gun of the Congo, people say, I expect it, it's going to be hot. And you go, and then you, you hear people say, well, I, you know, I went there and it was cold and I wasn't expecting that. And if you think about that, that sort of then ties into the rational things, because if you're going on a vacation and you were going to the Congo and you thought it was going to be hot, but it was not, then you would have probably packed a load of clothes that, that were inappropriate. So I guess for me, it goes back to all these things are circular. There are rational things that, that come up as a part of how of what the customer's expectations are and even the, the sensory Requirements or sensory expectations that a customer may have. So understanding each of those, uh, each of those touch points, I think is is key, and building that into your your journey map. So I hope that's been of use to you today. Uh, just as a reminder, if you if you want to get in contact with us, or you have a pickle that you want to submit, you'll recall that a pickle is a business problem that you want Ryan and I to to look at and pontificate on for a, a while then please just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. You can record your pickle there and we'll then address it on, on the show. Okay. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been
0: The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.